This is Sick and Wrong, America's number one source for antisocial commentary. Brought to you by the Reach Around Foundation. Good evening. Welcome to Sick and Wrong, the world's source for antisocial commentary. I'm one of your hosts, D. Simon. Oh, I'm your other hungover host, Lance Wackerly. What's up there, Wackerly? How come you're so hungover? I don't know. Just random excessive drinking for no good reason. Dude, once you admit you have a problem, then you won't be hungover anymore. <laughs> You'll be happy. I think once I have a nice bowel movement and maybe some Alka-Seltzer, then I won't be hungover anymore. Yeah, that might work too. So, uh, dude, at least that, um, that uh, heat wave wore off. I don't Finally. know how many people out there knew that, but uh, California, people are dying because it was so fucking hot over here. I was in fucking Fresno, and it was 114 degrees. Dude, that's just insane. You know, it it makes me, it, it kind of makes me, you know, I used to wonder, like, why are there so many, like, insane, you know, meth head speed freaks in Central Valley, California? It's because it's so hot. That, right. Uh, I don't think, I don't think they can think clearly, like, rationally. I thought I knew what ball sweat was before. My friend, you have no idea. Yeah, I don't even know if I want to. Well, dude, uh, this is the um, <clears throat> illustrious Podcast 30 podcast, The Big 3-0. We've done 30 of the uh, Sick and Wrong podcasts, and uh, we're well on our way to 50, which will be our next milestone. I think we'll have to do something special for that. But uh, the you Reach know, Around Foundation... We your brother out for the 25th one, and I was thinking maybe we could have your sister come for the 50th, but she's just too disgusting. She's too disgusting to even grace the Sick and Wrong studio. I don't, I don't even know if I want her in here. No. But... um. But yeah, dude, I mean, uh, the Reach Around Foundation said if we do manage to do 50 podcasts, we're going to get a bonus, so it'd be kind of nice to actually get some money for the show. And maybe a Reach Around. And maybe a Reach Around. They could. So Podcast 30, and uh, as promised, we're going we're gonna, to, towards the end of the show, we're going to get to all the um, World Cup emails. Um, we, we were, our email was maggoty with World Cup emails. <laughs> we, we had so many World Cup emails, people bitching at us, so... Yeah, this podcast, I saved it up, and we're going to get towards it at the end. But right now, um, I want to discuss another email that uh, we recently received, which is actually kind of one of the best emails that we've received at the uh, Sick and Wrong podcast. And the sole reason is because he sent a stuffed document filled with porn. Well, didn't it was a suggestion. We were asking how he could get people to, you know, vote for the show and and listen to the show more. And he said, you know, the only way to attract people on the internet is with po- Asian porn. Yeah, with Asian porn, which I think he has a point there. And uh, yeah, so this guy named Kenji, our fan in Japan, um, sent us this email, and uh, he mentioned that, dear sick and wrong, you are my favorite podcast. I always laughing so much, and I can learn English. That is so cool. <laughs> Yeah. Isn't that kind of cool? He's learning English from this podcast. Yep. He's going to be one depraved motherfucker. It's just kind of funny. But that, but it, it made me feel good. I was like, you know, it, it, we're actually doing something educational. It's like a service. We're Show giving back. an educational purpose, for sure. Yeah. So he said, uh, Podcast 28, you want premium content for reward people. It's kind of hard. I, I was trying to decipher this message, and I was thinking, well, it's because it's in that... Uh, uh, Japanese version version of English. What's it called? English. English. Yeah. So uh, it's in English. So it's hard to uh, decode. But what he's saying that yeah, we we're asking for premium content for uh, podcast twenty eight, and he's like, I have a great suggestion: sexy Japanese girl screensaver. It's a hit, I know. And so he enclosed a uh, zip file of a bunch of Japanese porno pictures. Which uh, we definitely appreciate it. And I'd like to say thank you to Kenji for that. But that's also the subject of the intro here for the show. 
because we're looking at these pictures that he sent, and I notice that there's like a, a Band-Aid or some type of covering over her vagina. Explain this picture to me, Wackerly. You printed them out. It kind of looks like a maxi pad with like a sticky surface like a Band-Aid would have, or an adhesive bandage for yeah, those but... people that don't like the Band-Aid brand name. But isn't it like brown? It's like a brown sticky plastic type of covering i think it's supposed to be the same color as her skin you're just sort of not supposed to notice it but it's definitely very apparent i mean it's it's just a weird thing and i've noticed this in other asian porn that like they'll and actually in this asian porn so there's obviously a guy standing with his schwans hanging in their face and just sort of shooting sperm all over their faces but but his his cock is like pixelated out so you can't really see it you can't see any penetration no. But you can see semen yeah, all over all these over their, girls' yeah, faces. They're definitely, you know, a couple of uh, cum guzzling, sperm burping, angry dragons, or whatever you call it. <laughs> but but then there's another picture of uh, this these two kind of hot girls there in like these French maid outfits, and one girl's bent over, her ass is in the air, spread open. You can see her gaping butthole right. filled with semen, but her vagina is covered by this little by weird this bandage thing. thing yeah. Which leads us to the subject of uh, this intro here for Podcast 30, is why in Japan can they show a gaping butthole covered in semen? They could show bukkake pictures of girls like you know with like 100 dudes jacking off on them, but yet they can't show a vagina. They, they can't right. show you know, a, a phallus. Penis. Yeah. Why, why is that? I don't know. I, I asked you to research it, so what would you find out? I did research, as a matter of fact. I noticed that I was looking at some Japanese porn online for research purposes only, <laughs> you know, with a, with a box of Vaseline here and, and some Kleenex. But for research purposes moist. only. Yeah, you know, it's for my hands because my hands get so dry. Chafed. Chafed. You know why they get so chafed? Because I'm typing. You're masturbating so <laughs> no, no, because of all the typing on the keyboard. Right. That's, but your, that's your left hand. Regardless, as I was doing some research... And I noticed that some of the other pictures have black bars over the uh, vaginal area. Right. You notice that? Just the opening. Mm. Yeah, just the badge opening. You can definitely see pubes yeah. in this picture and, you know, the you crotch. You just can't see and the butthole. opening. There's, yeah, and butthole. Yeah, you can see anal cavity. But, uh, yeah, you, you just can't see the vaginal opening. And so I was doing some research on it and uh, just looking up some stuff on Japanese porn. And so I went over to Wikipedia, which is like the fountain of information. Source of all knowledge. And so they said that, uh, you know, Japanese pornography has recently grown in popularity here in the, in, uh, the U.S. Recently. <laughs> recently. <laughs> For the past 30 years. The past 30 years. But one of the uh, imports that I think is widely regarded as the most common uh, porn Japanese pornography is bukake. Right. Everyone here in the U.S. knows what bukake is. And, and, and American... Uh, porn queens don't. I don't think they do bukkake. No, yeah, I don't. I don't. I don't think I've ever seen. Actually, no. I, I take that back. I've seen some porn with. Uh, Ameri- I can't say I ever have. I, I just thought it was. You know, you ask a, a, a American porn mistress, and she's. You know, hey, can can we have like fifty guys come up and jizz all over your face while you wear this bucket around your neck? And she's just like, uh, no. Yeah, but they're willing to like rub muscle relaxer in their vagina and let like a hundred dudes fuck them. I think American porn actresses, their specialty is taking it in the butt. Yeah. That's no, their extreme thing. anal, which right. I don't think the yeah. Japanese, well, the Japanese girls probably do that, but. Not so often, though. But it would be pixelated out. Right. So you couldn't even see it. Yeah. But yeah, bukkake is um, an act where as many as 100 or more men ejaculate on a woman's face. I've never been a big fan of that. 
I, I just don't find it. I, <laughs> Being on the receiving end or just looking at it? <laughs> no, looking at it. <laughs> looking at it. I, I, mean, I never, I don't, I, I just have never found it all that arousing. I'm just no, I don't it either. sort of gross. It's yeah. kind of like a guar video or something. Right. But I do like guar, so that's strange. Yeah. yeah. So I was looking. So I was looking up uh, some of these censorship laws and the reason that there are these censorship laws in Japan and why they can't show vaginas or uh, or phalluses. <laughs> so and isn't it phalluses? I don't know. I don't know. So the religious and social taboo against nudity has historically been weaker in Japan than the West because I mean they do they have like public baths and stuff like that. But I guess there is a uh, an era of the it's called the Meiji Restoration, uh-huh. which I don't exactly know what that is because I didn't really take the time to figure it out. But I think it was kind of like when they we do things half-assed here. You yeah. guys all know that it's a podcast. We don't right. get paid for it. Yeah. So um, what what I, I I'm inferring that the Meiji re- Restoration was a restoration of like morals and principles, and and so at the time, what they decided to do during the the Meiji area is um. What they decided to do, they said that nudity became taboo. And uh, the showing of female genitalia, the human vulva, or the phallus in an explicit manner is illegal. Hmm. And uh, so ever since then in Japan, Prudes. it's illegal for any commercial work to display the human vulva or the phallus in an explicit manner. So that law is still on the books. Yeah, and it dates back to the Meiji period, which was like you know three centuries ago. And has never been amended. Any publications depicting the penis or the Volvo must be shrink-wrapped and barred from sale to minors. However, it is not uncommon for pictorial magazines to depict nude women with their genitalia airbrushed over in black. And uh, video pornography routinely depicts explicit sex scenes with the participants' genitalia um, mosaicked out. Right, so it's kind pixelated, of like pixelated. mosaicked, right, same thing. Yeah. And until 1991, the entire pubic region, including hair, was deemed obscene and unpublishable. Recently, there's been a diversification in the censoring market, and now uh, several companies in Japan are allowed to offer that. So they do show pubic hair. (laughs) Thank God. Yeah, but for the most part, uh, they're pretty harsh when it comes to any type of penetration or even uh, open vulva. But it's just weird to me that you have this culture, though, that, you know, developed bukkake. You can go to a vending machine. Yeah, manga, hentai, like those uh, those really violent cartoons. You can go to vending machines and buy like twelve year old girls panties. Plus, aren't they the ones who started that whole like extreme bondage where you just have like crazy knots and like you know thousands of feet of rope that you hang some chick from the ceiling, you know, with like her tits tied up? That's the hentai, isn't it? Oh, I don't know. Yeah, hentai is like that extreme porno or that extreme like animation. And it's just, it, it seems hypocritical to me that they would engage in this, they would, you know, condone that, they would allow that, but at the same time they would, you know, prevent this from happening. I just think it's odd. It's one of those just weird Japanese things that we'll never understand. Well, it kind of, I, I, at the same time, I think you can relate to here in the U.S. when they, you know, the Supreme Court declares one type of pornography obscene and, uh, you know, another type of pornography is uh, perfectly acceptable. Dave? Are you still rallying for that 12-year-old little boy porn that you're trying to get legalized? God damn it, dude. One day, <laughs> me and my Nambla brother, brothers will rule this world. No, uh, what I'm saying, dude, it, it's just like, what is obscene? And apparently, in Japan, they've never really modernized, never really amended any of these obscenity laws that date back it's like just two still centuries on the book. It'll go away soon when they just, you know, are so hungry for the cock that they cannot hold back anymore. Well, I think it's with the advent of the internet that 
um, can't it, stop it. Porn is uh, pervading Japan, so right. I think eventually these laws will be amended. But um, I guess it's illegal to bring pornographic material into Japan, and custom agents, customs agents, are known for checking videotapes in international mail and hand baggage. <laughs> That'd be a pretty sweet job, wouldn't it? I think International Mail is a magazine that your brother gets. <laughs> <laughs> but isn't it kind of cool? Like, look, see a bunch of videotapes. Okay, we're going to have to check this out. Yeah, that'd uh, be a good we're, job. We're going to be in the porn room. I bet you they fight for that one. <laughs> There's also a thriving genre of underground pornography in Japan called Urabone that ignores these censorship laws. So it's become especially prevalent on the internet as there are no mechanisms in place to prevent its transmission. So I think uh, eventually Japan... As as the U.S. and most of the other Western nations will be completely flooded with porno and depraved, just as just as we are, you as know? it should be, as as it should be. So, um, that, I guess that's kind of our half-assed explanation of why you can't see uh, Japanese girls' vulvas in their porn. Yeah, but uh, I kind of wanted to post these pictures up on the site, but Wackerly is nope. demurring here because uh, he's against sharing pornography with the with the uh, listening public. If these people can't. If our listeners can't find Asian porn on the internet, they're just hopeless, and I don't want to help them. Dude, our listeners probably have, like, a cache just filled with uh, Japanese porn. Right. That's why I just think it's it's not necessary for Perverse us to post these to p- this. pictures. Plus, yeah. I've already just used them. But we invite people them. to uh, go check it out. And uh, Kenji, if you're listening to this, uh, send us some more. Send us some more this way. A couple terms I found for some Japanese porn I'm going to get through real quick here. Uh, they have a whole glossary of all these Japanese terms. It kind of was like, to me, it was like ordering sushi. You know how you have that like list of sushi? Yeah, and you don't really you know. You need the picture. <laughs> yeah. So uh, there's a term here called aiki, which uh, literally means love juice, and it's uh, male or female sexual secretions. Aiki! Aiki! There's another term called anakai dai, which uh, literally means whole brothers. And it's two or more men that have had sex with the same woman at the at uh, the one time. So two guys double-teaming a girl are called whole brothers. <laughs> uh, Bukaki, we already mentioned. Uh, the term chichi means breast, which is kind of weird because that's how, what it is in Mexican Spanish. Really? Yeah, the slang term for breast in Mexican Spanish is chichi. And uh, chin-chin, I guess, means penis. So uh, it kind of makes sense. Here's something kind of interesting. Chin-chin kenki is called penis study, and it's a genre of porn in which an innocent young woman or women is presented with a well-built naked man to experiment with. Often there's an audience of 100 women and only a few men. Several of the women will volunteer to try various sex acts on the men. That actually sounds kind of sweet. a tough job, but uh, (laughs) I'll do it. So if there's any Japanese women out there that want to do a chin-chin kenki over here on uh, D. Simon, just just email stickingwrongpodcast.hotmail.com. Here's one that you can relate to, uh, Wackerly. Dute, male virgin, over the age 40 years. So, <laughs> I'm not you. over the age of 40. <laughs> Here's one, uh, Haizumo, a fetish involving overweight female partners. Yeah, did it. I wonder if there's like a sumo fetish in a, in like gay Japanese males. Probably. Uh, here's one called hunk, Hunky Jiru, <laughs> which is semen-like vaginal secretion that appears during sex. Probably secretions from the skein's gland. It's probably from the last hole, brother. <laughs> it's coming back out. <laughs> Kintama Subushi. Sexual torture that involves squeezing a man by his testicles. Did it. Yeah, I think I'd have to be like, hey, baby. 
Uh, I kind of actually, this one sounds uh, appealing. Naya, Nayo Taimori, which is body sushi, naked sushi. It's a meal of sushi served on the body of a paid woman, generally followed by sex. I've never done that before. Dude, I've seen your girlfriends. They would probably fart. <laughs> Just ruin the whole meal. Right. <laughs> Seriously. Um, Sao Shimai is a pole sisters, two or more women having sex with the same guy. Oh, like the whole brothers. Yeah, kind of. Uh, here's one. Uh, Tamakari, a fetish that involves a pretty girl kicking a man the testicles. The slap sound effect that's raised when the kick lands home is said to be part of the attraction. Also, uh, Tetsuman is a woman who won't have sex, otherwise known as the Iron Vagina. <laughs> they should make ba- a TV show. Isn't that a great band name? Or a TV show. Like or the TV Iron show. Chef, Iron yeah. Vagina. The Iron Vagina. Yeah. Sounds pretty good. But yeah, people, go check out Wikipedia. There's a whole list of these Japanese sex terms. And uh, thank you, Kenji, for sending us porno. And uh, people, if you want to send us porn, you're more than welcome to do so. It's sickandwrongpodcast at hotmail.com. We must move along here. There's some uh, great articles in the, uh, <clears throat> in the news this week. Uh, one in particular that I found that I think is going to win this Sick and Wrong Podcast 30. But a quick recap of the way the show works. Wackerly and myself, we scour the internet, scour news newspapers, trying to find the most disturbing articles of the week. We present them here on the show. The listening audience votes. Sick and wrong podcast, hotmail.com. And uh, the winner gets a case of beer. Um, so you won last week. So I, I think you got to start it here. So I'm going to pass the mic over to uh, Mr. Wackerly. Thank you. I do remember your story, which I think was from last week, was the couple, and they were fighting, and mysteriously, the woman's arm got ripped off. Was ripped off, yes. And I thought that would win, but apparently not. Well, my story kind of relates to that. Uh, This one comes out of Kansas City, Missouri, and it seems that Marlon Brando Gill, his parents must have been a big fan (laughs) of the actor. Marlon uh, Brando? Well, his last name is Gill. Uh, he's 24, and his girlfriend, Melinda Abel, uh, who's 25, were having a little bit of an argument on a weekend night. Uh, you know, they'd been out the bar drinking, uh, driving home, had an argument, probably about the fact that uh, Melinda's a little bit of a whore. Very similar to my story last week. Right. So I think Melinda's a little bit of a whore. She's always getting calls from other dudes. Dude, that's such a whore name. Melinda, yeah. Crystal, right. yeah. Lisa. So they were fighting about, about this, Lisa. you know, like like she's always taking calls while they're on a date. She's supposed to be paying attention to him. Dude, that's frustrating. So, it's insulting. You know, an altercation ensued. Um, Dude, some women need to be learned. Um, and it ended up with Melinda being in the emergency room, and uh, the emergency room surgeons had to remove her cell phone from her throat. Oh, dear. <laughs> The dude jammed her cell, phone, her cell phone down her throat? Well, he's actually been, uh, it's a hung jury on the case, and whether he uh, is guilty of uh, first-degree assault for oh, this. So this guy is on trial right now for this. Well, actually, just yesterday, uh, they, they declared that it was a mistrial. They couldn't come to a verdict. And dude, this has to set some type of precedent, don't you think? Because uh, how many other cases have they had for cell phone throat jamming? Well, this is what Melinda said at the crime scene. This is the statement that the police took down. I think he thought I'd been talking to other guys. He took my phone to see who I had been calling. Um, If I didn't want him to see my phone, I would have just thrown it out the window and busted it. Because Marlon Brando Gill claims that she swallowed the phone 
on her own to keep him from seeing the numbers of all the dudes who had been calling her. So <laughs> that's wait, his defense. So Marlon Brando's defense is that she shoved the cell phone in her own mouth and swallowed yeah. it. She's like, you ain't going to see these numbers. Dude, that, that makes no sense whatsoever. But I like, you know, she didn't choke. She was just, I don't know how you get an entire, well, maybe that's why she's such a great girlfriend and has all these guys calling her, but I don't know how you Deep get throat. an entire cell Deep phone throat, in your Linda throat. Linda Lovelace would have been able to do it. Yeah, I don't know how you get an entire cell phone in your throat and you don't just die right there on the spot. Because apparently she, you know, called the emergency room and was like, I have a problem, you know, I need to come down there. I've got a cell phone jammed in my throat. <laughs> Yeah, but cell phones are kind of small these days. I mean, I can. They're not that small. Yeah, maybe, maybe not. Not to fit down your trachea. Not as small as my uh, pants dragon. <laughs> <laughs> but anyways, so uh, yeah, she probably you know can suck a golf ball through a garden hose. Um, it also came out in the trial that uh, apparently uh, Marlon, not a cell phone. Marlon Brando. They'd been living together, and she uh, he was always verbally and physical abusive toward her. But under cross-examination, she acknowledged she never told police about the, the abuse and continued to live with him until the cell phone incident. And so now they probably just don't live together. He's in jail. No, that's it for there. She can she can pay attention to all these other dudes. You, you know, you got to lend it to his lawyer here for creativity. I mean, that's just kind of cool. It's like, could you imagine him talking to Marlon Brando? It's like, okay, dude. You shoved your fucking girlfriend's cell phone down her throat. We got to come up with some type of defense. I'm telling you, uh, she, she swallowed it herself, so now let me see the numbers. <laughs> yeah, that's good. That's good. We, that works here. Okay, we're, she swallowed it herself. That, that I makes don't even sense. know why he's paying a lawyer. He's just done it himself. But anyways, <laughs> I, have a, I have a backup story. That, that's going to be my official entry. I'm just saying that now. But I, reading this story, I went back to a story I had saved from a previous. It was last week where um, Pamela Vesky who is uh, in Monroe, Connecticut, underwent six hours of surgery after being hit in the left eye with a vegetable. <laughs> with <laughs> but a doctors, vegetable? Doctors were not able to restore her vision. Um, she had been arguing with her husband, Roderick Vesey, and he threw a carrot at her. <laughs> <laughs> it went into her eye? It went into her eye, and she lost, she's lost vision permanently in her left eye. Dude, so, people are becoming more creative these days with spouse battery. Yeah, and he was only uh, charged with second. I would have never have thought of that. He was only charged with second-degree assault. And during his trial, he told the judge that it was a terrible accident, and the judge advised him to shut the fuck up. <laughs> <laughs> but that's Not just in so many backup. words. Yeah. Oh, wow. Remain I, silent, I, I please, can you see that. thrower. Well, uh, you know what? We're going to have to follow this and possibly update this article when we find out what actually happens to the uh, cell phone jammer. Right, if he's retried or what, or if they just drop it all together. Um, I don't know what happened to the carrot guy, nor do I care. So on the uh, sick and wrong scale, I think I'm going to probably have to give that, I don't know, maybe a six? Um, I'm going to give it a seven and a half just because it reminds me of my favorite show, The Shield, in which uh, you know Detective Vic Mackey, one of his favorite ways of uh, torturing people, you know, getting confessions out of people is to Great jam show. things down their throat, like his gun or maybe a bong <laughs> yeah, that, or that just one his scene like, in the fist. Bong. Yeah. And He's always many... shoving stuff down people's throats, and I... I just think it's great, and it reminded me of this story. Yeah, I can see the uh, the correlation there. I don't know how many people out there watch The Shield, but almost every episode, Vic Mackey, who's like the big, burly, tough cop, yeah. shoves something down some uh, perpetrator's throat. Yeah. yeah, I think and, he has uh, a fetish or something. Yeah, a, sw a swallowing fetish or something. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, we'll, we'll have to see. Let the audience vote on that one. So a uh, guy shoves girlfriend's cell phone down her throat. Yes. I don't know yes. if it's going to compare to my article well, here for Podcast 30. I guess we'll see then. I know. We'll check it out. 
Uh, you know, looking for a bunch of different articles, trying to find something that would be, you know, relevant for this show. And then I came across this gem, which wasn't that difficult, being that it's on every news website across the world. Yeah, it's or big at news. least in the U.S. Big news: the U.S. now has the most prolific serial killer in history. Really? Yeah, I didn't even realize that. Okay, the the most prolific serial killer in U.S. history. So in the, right. the U.S. is claiming that they have found their most prolific serial killer. So I don't know if it compares to that guy in Canada that was... Uh, well, if the verdict's still out on him, how many people... That wasn't verified, yeah. No. But, I mean, that guy was claiming like 60. But uh, this dude, Colorado killer, his name's Robert Charles Brown. Three names. Robert every Charles ser- Brown. Ser- every good serial killer needs three names. And that sounds good, doesn't it? Henry Lee Lucas. Yeah. Um, Ted whatever Bundy. <laughs> John Wayne Gacy. <laughs> Robert Charles Brown. He claims to have uh, slain 49 women in the course uh, between 1970 and uh, 2000. Seems a little braggadocious. <laughs> yeah, he does seem like he's uh, aggrandizing here. But I don't know, man. They've, uh, they're now uh, investigating this, and they found like five bodies. So Colorado killer details gruesome murders. So right now, Robert Charles Brown is incarcerated, serving a life sentence for the 1991 kidnapping and murder of a 13-year-old girl. Yeah, he's already in the can. What does he care? Yeah, he's. Uh, I mean, he's been he's been in prison since. This might uh, kick him up to the death penalty, though, right? I think he already actually. I don't know if, if they have the death penalty in uh, Colorado. Pussies. They might not. But um, so uh, what what happened here is just recently he uh, he wrote a letter to um, the the police department bragging about all these murders, and so now they're investigating it, and they found out that. Uh, that, yeah, this guy might have actually killed more people than uh, what he's currently incarcerated for. So, um, quote-unquote, Robert Brown told investigators that none ever got away, never gave the opportunity. If you're going to do it, just do it. It's like that Nike slogan. Yeah, I was going to say, maybe you'll get yeah. a sponsorship. So, Robert Charles Brown says he shot some of his victims, strangled others, in one case with a pair of leather shoelaces. He knocked out one woman with ether... Then used an ice pick on her. He put a rag soaked in ant killer over another victim's face and stabbed her 30 times with a screwdriver. It sounds like he just never figured out what he liked. I don't know, dude. It sounds to me that he was just creative. He's just like, you know what? I, I've, I've already done the choking. You know, I've done the stabbing. He gets bored. He's I like... haven't done the ant killer yet. Yeah. You know, he sounds like an intelligent guy here. So if Brown is telling the truth about killing 49 people across the country, his crimes practically constitute a manual on the many ways in which to kill and not get caught. Um, It may have been the variety of his methods that kept authorities from connecting the crimes until Brown sent a taunting letter to prosecutors six years ago and they opened up the case. I guess... um, Many serial killers do not replicate things from one crime to the next. Yeah, it makes them harder to catch. Yeah, so uh, you know most serial killers have their M.O., their modus operandi, and you know forensic detectives, FBI agents are able to figure it out. They can figure out you know what their motivation is, what where they're likely to hang out, that sort of thing. Yeah, so like behavioral. If you keep changing it up, then they can't get a good picture of you in their mind. Well, remember in Science of the Lambs, the one guy had that like behavioral FBI like forensic unit. Yeah, you know, and the guy in Silence of the Lambs, it was obvious that he was the type of guy who would tuck his penis and dance in front of a mirror. 
Yeah, and, and that was his M.O. He'd right. have a bunch of moths in his house. Like Simon. Get... Yeah. Is also a big fan of that. I, I love doing that, dude. Tucking my penis and just kind of dancing around, you know, to like David Bowie or, or right. something. But I don't, I don't put fat chicks in my basement and make clothing out of them. No, there's no reciprocity between the behavior. I'm just pointing that out. So it makes it hard on police to uh, catch a serial killer who doesn't replicate his crimes. And uh, Brown, 53 years old, claimed to have committed scores of killings between 1970 and his arrest in 95. He's pled guilty to two slayings and is serving that life sentence. Um, the court has painted a picture of a predator who loathed women and thought he was justified in killing them because they were cheating on their husbands and boyfriends. And in many cases, they were also cheating with him. So they're cheating on their boyfriends with him, which kind of is surprising to me. This is a little astonishing because if you've seen the picture of this guy that we're going to post on the website? He looks kind of like a retarded hillbilly. Dude, he looks like the Unabomber. He does look like the Unabomber. He's got this big beard. He's uh, he's gaunt. He's just like he's got this wild like psychotic look in his eyes. But you don't know what he looked like when he was before he got into prison. That might just be his prison look. So yeah, he's trying yeah, to not be somebody's I, bitch. I guess that makes sense. But I still never understood how women are attracted to these serial killer dudes. It's just like, you know, there's all these get these guys out there, potential mates, but the one they the ones they go for are like Richard Ramirez or Ted Bundy. Yeah. You know, or uh you know, Robert Charles Brown in this case. You know, the uh, Jerry Lee Lewis went by the nickname The Killer. He obviously knew that there was a sexual aspect to that. There must have been. So Brown claims that the killings were never planned. Um, he's been married six times. He said he's always been disappointed with women his whole life. He claims they're unfaithful. They screw around a lot. They cheat and are not of the highest moral value. Amen, brother. <laughs> like he is of the highest moral yeah. value, though. You know? Glass house. Um, he told investigators he rarely have ever planned a killing, choosing his prey at random. He met his victims in everyday settings, a motel bar, the convenience store where he worked. <laughs> and in one case, uh, he was familiar with the victim's apartment because he changed the locks there. So these aren't normal women that are, like, picking up the convenience store yeah, These guy. are white trash. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, it's, it's kind of funny, though. It, it's like, here's a lesson to be learned if you're listening to Sick and Wrong, the podcast. Women don't date convenience store workers. You know, no. there's a reason why they're working at the convenience store. First of all, what are they going to take you out to eat? You know, they're going to bring you some ho-hos and maybe a Chico <laughs> stick. And that's a six-pack of Bud Light. What kind of benefit are you going to get out of that? Dating yeah, that guy. exactly. I guess he used different types of guns. Sometimes he beat his victims. One died after he uh, put a rag soaked an ant killer over her face while she was asleep. Um, investigators so far have been unable to corroborate all of his claims but they've been able to prove uh six of the slangs three in louisiana two in texas and one in arkansas so none of his ex-wives were murdered by him these were no. just other women he murdered he just divorced those dropped them like a bad habit yeah no d totally yeah he, these are like all women he just kind of randomly just drove around and found one he's like i mean i'm gonna kill it and that's i think part of the reason why he's so successful is there you know this wasn't premeditated for the most part right it was just kind of just uh, generally acting out against uh, vaginas. Yeah. So investigators have been unable to confirm some of his claims to have dumped bodies in certain places. In other cases, he can't even remember enough of the details <laughs> to tell them where to check for bodies, which is kind of also in contrast to most serial killers who are usually right. meticulous. Yeah. And they keep records and scrapbooks, that type of thing. So he was an army veteran who served in South Korea during the 70s. Brown described killings committed with unspeakable cruelty. He said he dismembered uh, Rochelle Sperry, whose remains have never been found. He said he dismembered her in a bathtub, just popping her joints 
one by one. He said while well, he was taking her body apart, he was a little worried about being spotted carrying the whole body, so he was just kind of popping those joints in his bathtub. Pop, pop. <laughs> pop, pop. <laughs> he told investigators in prison interviews that he never just went looking for someone. When the opportunity was there, he took it. He goes, it was just discussed with a person, and some of it was just plain confrontation. Mm. So if Brown's claims prove true, he could be one of the most prolific killers in U.S. history. Gary Ridgeway, Ridgeway who was uh, Seattle's Green the River Green Killer. River. Yeah, yeah. Um, he was the nation's deadliest convicted serial killer in 2003. He admitted to 48 murders, but once said he killed as many as 71 women. But, but uh, they found 48. So this dude's claiming he's done uh, 49. Neck and neck. So he's already been in prison for murdering this 13-year-old girl. And then he recently spurred investigators to take another look at his past when he sent them a letter in 2000. Listen to this letter. Quote, unquote, it read, Seven sacred virgins and tombs side by side. Those less worthy are scattered wide. The score is you won, the other team 48. Dude, doesn't that, sound, poet. doesn't that sound like an Iron Maiden lyric? Yeah, it does. You know, seven sacred virgins seven. and tombs <laughs> side by side. Almost could be Dio. I think Bruce Dickinson should take that and put some, lay down some tracks behind it. It'd be good. It'd be a hit for them. Well, the combination of his moving around a lot, picking random victims, and being pretty clean about it, and uh, the, uh, if he's telling the truth about how he disposed of all the bodies, that would show some pretty calculated methods to avoid detection. It also shows that if you're a serial killer or potential serial killers out there, you should learn from this guy. Grow a big crazy beard, number yeah. one. And then Work at a convenience store. And yeah, move around a lot. Just pick random victims and uh, pop their joints. You know, be clean about this. That's, that's the one thing. It's like most serial killers, most killers in general are just are not meticulous when it comes to disposing of the corpse. That's a big, big problem. Yeah, if you don't want to get caught, you got to dispose of the corpse. And, you know, just burning the body, they can do dental records. You got to hide it. Where they're never yeah, but if find you burn the body and then buried it, they'd never find it. But if they do, they can figure it out by the dental records. I've Hiding been, it is the important thing. I've always been a big fan of lime. <laughs> that just works. I usually uh, kick their teeth out and wear them on a necklace. Yeah, that, that, could, that, that might work. Yeah. That might work. So um, the Colorado Attorney General here, Keppel, he said that there's probably no doubt the guy's murdered a lot of people, but the numbers are just for media purposes. This guy has lied, cheated, and stolen his whole life, and there's no indication he's going to tell you the truth about all his victims. But so far, Colorado, uh, the uh, police department's been receiving hundreds of calls of people trying to uh, find missing, their lost missing loved ones. Persons, missing persons calls. Yeah. So, I don't know. I mean, this guy could most likely be the most prolific U.S. serial killer. So on the sick and wrong scale, on the sick and wrong scale, I'm going to have to give this guy 49. And he uh, dismembered most of the corpses. I mean, this is an unspeakable, I mean, it's an unspeakable crime here. I'm going to have to give him a 9.2. Uh, I'll probably give him a 9, but I'm going to say a 9.3. I'm going to give him 0.3 beard points. Beard points. Yeah. So 9.3. For a nice beard. All right. Well, we invite the uh, sick and wrong listening audience to vote here. Sick and Wrong Podcast at uh, Hotmail.com. Yeah, send us your votes and uh, let us know who will win the uh, case of beer this week. McDonald's is a place to rock. It is a restaurant where they buy food to eat. It is a good place to listen to the music. People flock here to get down to the rock music. Rock it!
need to uh, wrap this show up, but uh, as I as I promised here at the end of the show, I want to uh, revisit the uh, World Cup conversation we had a couple podcasts ago in Podcast 28. So if you listen to Podcast 28, you remember uh, Wackerly and myself were discussing the World Cup and and why is the world so infatuated with such a mind-numbingly boring game we hate as it. soccer. So we received sundry emails, seriously, maggoty with emails, just people just sending email, just hateful, harsh emails to us. I don't us. know why people have to be so uh, caught up in this and angry about it, but just Dude, that they are. These are the type of people that beat the shit out of each other, you know, because of like their team didn't score the goal. Or they did score the goal, or just because just they basically hate each other. Yeah. And so I think, uh, so we, we received a bunch of emails, so I think we're going to just kind of rattle off the highlights here. Um, one guy wrote to us, a guy named Jeff, said that uh, he listened to Podcast 28 and he agrees that the World Cup bullshit is way too much. He said he played soccer in high school and all that other bullshit. He seems to like that word a lot. But he just doesn't go nuts about the World Cup. And, uh, you know, he, he doesn't understand why everyone is, uh, you know, so insane about, like, so insanely, you know, infatuated with the sport. But one thing I guess we said in Podcast 28 is that there's never any serious injuries in soccer because they, they feign it. Yeah. And they sit there and yeah, it's all about... Yeah, they take dives. Yeah, they take dives. Well, he said that, however, about the serious injury thing, he has to say that he was there to witness one game in his high school career that a, a guy went to kick the ball with all of his human power. And at the same time, another player from the opposing team fell onto his foot face first and so the dude just like full-on kicked him right in the face all right and That's yeah his says i i, I kind of like the way he uh words this here needless to say his face was fucked three ways till sunday and injuries like these aren't common but they do happen all right so i uh, you know i i agree with jeff thanks for writing in that uh yeah i guess soccer can be pretty violent plus it's good to hear that uh somebody hates the world cup that actually you know was a jock and we're just like a couple pencil neck geeks no, I think you were on the what synchronized swimming team in high school. No, it was I was in college. That was oh, in college, right, Wackerly. I didn't play any sports because I'm a wimp. And you just stayed home and whacked off. So another guy here, Ian, who I'm I'm assuming is from the UK. He said, "Yeah." He goes, "Yeah, soccer." He goes, "Football is popular. It's played in every nation of the world." Your boring logic, your your soccer is boring logic is so ass backwards. It's actually quite funny. Notice how many soccer games don't have many commercial breaks. It's because the ball is constantly moving. I can read a book while watching a baseball game and not miss a thing. Um, I would just like to rebut that guy by saying, Fuck you! <laughs> Next. There's another guy who I'm also assuming is uh, from the UK, another toothless English hooligan. He said, For your information, it's not soccer, it's football. We actually use our feet through the entire game. What's weird about this uh, this email, it's just littered with grammatical errors. Yeah, go figure. So, uh, yes, and baseball is full of excitement. You one-minded, thinking, peewee brain idiot. It's called World Cup because the entire world takes part. On the other hand, World Series seem like someone afraid to call it State Series to call it State Series. Nice job, buddy. <laughs> I'd like to say, fuck you! I have never knocked... No sport, but baseball seems like a knockoff from cricket, and baseball still doesn't make any sense to me. Uh, 
Don't get us started on cricket, please. Uh, you know, I, I don't even want to like incite any more like uh, angry, hateful emails. But uh, I like how everybody assumes that we love baseball for some reason. Did we say that during the uh, during podcast twenty eight that we're I, big baseball? I said fans? baseball is just as boring as soccer. Oh, maybe I said I, I'm, I, I don't know I where know. they got that from. But he goes, "What you are jealous of is the fact that a sport that does not dominate your country is world love." Baseball will never be loved by the world like soccer because it's so damn boring. But soccer's played in every nation. An American is running with the baton. I am a coach in kids' soccer. The kids have catched the soccer bug as well. Thank you, future child molester. <laughs> soccer is played in almost, if not most, elementary or grade schools or whatever you guys say. We say primary. Don't eat my head off because I know you're going to eat my head off because you know I am right. So go. Yes, hit my grammar and all that stuff that does not have nothing to do with the subject. Hit his grandma? <laughs> Dude, I think he could, no, I, I oh, think grammar, he kind of preempted right. us because he knew we were going to make fun of his, yeah, uh, well. his grammar. So finally, he ends it here saying, yes, World Cup, World Cup soccer because world play the sport. Stop the jealousy attack of Americans. Millions, millions of people watch the World Cup soccer. Wow. And not watch, but watch with passion. Well, a few jealous ones like you. But guess what? We welcome all of you, even if you guys are dying inside. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. Thank you, Ron, for uh, sending us that email. <laughs> uh, it, it didn't really make that much sense here. Another guy sent us an email. I think his name is Brian. He said, I find watching paint dry more exciting than watching this boring World Cup crap. No wonder there are so many riots after these games. People need to see some action. Thank uh, you. Yes, thank you, Brian. I kind Sporting of agree. Our point. I kind of agree with that, dude. Another woman, Joy, sent us this USA Today cover story about why um, why America is not infatuated with soccer, and it, it's it said um, spectator sports are quite simply forms of entertainment. Soccer supporters invariably state that their sport is more exciting because it's constant action, but action alone does not make for good entertainment. Um, in back, books or movies, action can be important, but it takes a backseat to tension, suspense, and story. Exactly. And so baseball, you know, an otherwise slow game, builds suspense via the strike count and number of outs. You know, whereas football, you have a whole team, system of downs, gaining yardage, whereas soccer is just a bunch of dudes running around kicking a ball back and They're forth. They're sort of just milling around for an hour and a half, yeah. And so uh, finally, we, we got a couple other short ones, but uh, we're kind of running out of time here. We got a, a, a long article sent to us by a guy named John Wright from Australia who, was, uh, who totally agreed with us. He was claiming he, – he didn't want me to read the article because uh, I guess it hasn't been published yet. <laughs> but um, he was claiming that soccer – he wrote an article called Soccer is the Europe – or Football is the European Cheeseburger. <laughs> and so I, I think what he means there is um, some French guy – it's the lowest form of cultural influence they have on the rest of the world, I guess. Yeah, some uh, French writer, Michael Holabek, lampooned the decadence of American culture by saying America's great contribution to world civilization is the cheeseburger. It's actually, I think his name's Wellbeck, and he's pretty good on it. Wellbeck? Yeah. Okay, I don't know. Not that, that any of our listeners read anything, but anyways. But yeah, he said that uh, America's contribution to the world civilization is the cheeseburger. And so I think what John is trying to prove here that the Europeans' contribution to world civilization is soccer, which is the uh, yeah, which Whatever you is the, uh, the European cheeseburger. He said he lived three years in the UK, had been to all sorts of soccer matches from Spanish League to Scottish League, and don't let these soccer fanatics tell you different. It's a lemon, guys. It's a fucking cheeseburger. 
The Europeans are sick and the game is wrong. I give soccer a nine on the sick and wrong scale because it teaches good people a bad sport and bad sportsmanship. And it does so on a truly global scale. What could be more sick and wrong than that? He's like, I mean, the weekly parade of sick fucks you guys drag out affect maybe one or two people directly, maybe 10 to 20 indirectly. But soccer corrupts the minds of millions of people. You know, he, he's got a point there. Yeah. He says soccer's small time in Australia, but 80% of Australians being uneducated idiots, the popularity of soccer is growing like a weed. <laughs> and he also mentioned this, which, perfect I, storm. which I thought was kind of funny, that George Bush visited Australia a year or so back and said of us, I love Australia. It reminds me of Texas. So there Accent. you go. Australia, the land where idiots run free. You know, I, I couldn't agree with him more. He says that the number one game in Australia is Australia rules football, which is kind of like rugby, but I think even more violent. Yeah. Yeah. And um, he, he says a quick suggestion for American foreign policy. Fuck the soccer off and learn how to play cricket. And then institute cricket around the world. <sighs> yeah, don't get me started. Not going cricket. to happen. No. Not going to happen. But I do appreciate your input, uh, John. And uh, thank you for the article. It was very enlightening. And uh, yeah, you have to send me a copy when it's uh, published. And I'd like to thank everyone else for sending in these uh, harsh, biting emails. I, I couldn't read all of them because we'd be here for another hour. Right. But uh, yeah, it was Let's pretty good. Let's speak of it no more. Yeah. I, I think we're going to let it rest here at Podcast 30. But um, make sure you stay tuned next week. Another listener sent us in documents from the uh, Columbine journals. It's like 900 pages. It's a lot of he reading. He sent me the CD. So I don't know if we're going to get to it next week, but on the next couple of shows, we're going to have to get to that. But uh, yeah, stay tuned next week for uh, Podcast 31. You do have, you still have that big jar of Vaseline, right, for reading through those Columbine documents? Oh, yeah. Okay, yeah. good. I, I didn't forget about that. All right. Till next week, smell you later. <laughs>